Hello everyone, I'm Andres Velez. And I'm Maximo Kubilet. We are the Pearson Scoop, the SA FinTech podcast, where we talk about all things FinTech career. Welcome to our fourth episode in our series on ESA summer internships. We have with us today Agni Rudra Sikdar, or as his friends call him, Agni, to share with us his experience at Arex. We'll be diving into his motivations to go into the industry, the recruiting process, what he did there, and his reflections on the industry. Agni, welcome. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. So why don't we start with uh, you telling a bit about your MBA experience, your pre-MBA experience. Yeah, so pre-MBA, um, I was living in Amsterdam, working there as a data scientist for this company, uh, Liberty Global. I was working for this client, Liberty Global, building on different AI and machine learning projects. I've been working in this field of data science and AI for the last uh, three and a half years in various um, roles and functions and um, in different countries, like I live in Milan, uh, I worked there and then I moved to Amsterdam where I was also working there in this same room. So I've been extremely passionate about being in the sector of tech. And how did, and how did you come to ESA? Tell us a little bit about that journey and, and then how did you come to be into the space of fintech more specifically. Yeah, so fintech has been kind of a fascinating domain, uh, primarily because it's the heart of any transactional uh, event that's occurring in the current current world. And everyone, every company is trying to get into this kind of uh, service, I would say. And I felt like, how can we add value in terms of helping the unbanked or the non-banked getting value in by pushing them into the financial systems. And I was trying to understand it from a different behavioral science or an user experience point of view, reading different materials and articles and so on and so forth. And one of the ways like I felt like FinTech is kind of disrupting is because I have been, um, um, I would say like supportive of the initial cryptocurrencies. Uh, small story, like I first mined my Bitcoin around 10 years ago and was trying to wow. yeah and was trying to buy a netflix subscription at that time using a bitcoin wow yeah i didn't know like a bitcoin value would have gone this much oh yeah did you save any from uh, that original mining 10 years ago uh yeah i hope my nan- leisure nano is still there in my house so yeah great well investment. done yeah <laughs> well done well done on you good on you i think <laughs> don't don't lose that. <laughs> so taking a step back, how did you get to Liberty? First, Liberty Global is a big telecom company, cable company, it's an American firm. Uh, I was looking into transitioning into a telecom company because of my background being in telecommunications. And uh, I was changing jobs and then I came across this opportunity. Uh, I got hired at Davos in Netherlands, it's an IT, co- IT consulting company. And they were happy to put me in front of the client Liberty Global based on my technical skills and expertise. But, but actually, could you get into that a little bit more? You're, you're, where, where are you from and where did you get your technical skills and expertise, Agni? I think, I think it's important for people to know uh, a little bit more about your background and how you got into that space. Yeah. So my background's been in, um, I studied, uh, originally I'm from India, from a city called Kolkata, city of Mother Teresa, if everyone knows it, I guess. 
Um, I grew up there, was raised there. I studied my bachelor's there uh, in electronics and communications engineering. Once, once I finished my bachelor's, I decided to do my master's in telecommunications engineering and I moved out, to, uh, moved to Milan to do it in Politecnico di Milano. So I, I was of the class 2015, I uh, uh, did my telecommunications engineering there, specialized in internet technologies and at that time 5G also. And during when I was doing my master thesis, um, it was focused towards uh, this machine learning and big data because back in 2015, it was kind of picking up. It was a craze at the time and I felt like it would give me a lot of opportunities. So absolutely follow, following my graduation, I got an opportunity to work for an again, Italian company based in Milan uh, in, as a big data consultant. And that's how I kind of ended up in this um, cool AI machine learning and big data roles. That's great. What attracted you to Europe? I would say the lifestyle opportunities and the cultural exposure. So I felt like I'm super tied or super inclined to learn about this kind of um, things. And of course, the last thing would be uh, the football culture. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a particular team? Uh, I, I moved to Milan because of Rossoneri's AC Milan. And yeah. Good, good. Our, our town listeners will be very, very happy to hear this. Yeah. Forza Milan, guys. <laughs> and now thinking, Agni, a little bit uh, about coming to Europe, tell us, tell us then, you know, in, in your transition then, you, you know, given us the journey of coming from Calcutta, telecommunications background, uh, getting to Liberty, the kind of work you were doing there, your master's, then, then tell us a little bit about then coming to Yese and, and deciding to do your MBA and and how fintech plays into that. Yeah. So I when I came to when I applied to ESA I kind of knew what I wanted to do in a way like I knew what my north star is which is put myself at the heart of tech and one of my inspirations would be uh, Sundar Pichai and I wanted to understand how his trajectory was. He, start, he did tech and then he also did an MBA. So I was, he kind of in, influenced me and inspired me. Uh, and that's when I felt like I want to get into product management roles. For those of you who don't know, Sundar Pichai is the CEO of Google. Yeah. Who's also from India originally. Exactly. And also come, comes from a very strong uh, engineering background. Good, good. So then thinking about uh, then next steps is Talk to us a little bit about your experience in, in the recruiting process and the internship recruitment process uh, for Arix and uh, in general and, and how you went about it and how you ended up there over the summer. Yeah, sure. So I applied to Arix around March when everything was coming to a lockdown. Uh, the process was pretty straightforward. Um, they required me to send my CV and a cover letter um, I got a call, I got a response pretty quickly, I would say, in, a, in 10 days, 7 to 10 days. Um, I liked the interview, they asked me about my background, uh, I understood what they're doing in terms of what kind of business they are doing, um, what, what services they are selling. I was able to also understand the role I was applying to. And during the interview, uh, Petu told me like, I might have some, he might have some opportunities for me based on my previous technical uh, expertise and experience in, in the field of data. 
so thinking then about uh, your role there, and and uh, you were you know we were talking before we started the recording, and Agni was giving us some great insight on on his experience. Um, could you break down for us you know, the role that, the role that you had and the roles that you ended up having, and how you came into those roles? Because I think it's it's different than from what I've heard of other people in internships, and and and, uh, and I think our listeners would really value that and then your approach. Yeah, absolutely. So the good thing about working at a startup and especially like like a company like Eric's was I I was given the freedom to explore different opportunities, different functions and different roles. So initially I was hired as a business development intern uh, for the summer, particularly for the APAC market uh, because I do have ties to the Asian economy. I really liked uh, doing this market research, trying to understand the business dev part coming up with sales lead and all, uh, especially exploring the invoice factoring market in the APAC if an European company wants to enter into this uh, domain. And once I finished this project, um, I wanted to see how I can add more value. And startups like Eric's are always embracing this kind of a, of a culture where they want more ownership from their employees. And uh, I felt like, okay, let me see what I can do with the current data repository that they have. How can I make sense of the data? And if I can add any insights, I mean, if I can extract any insights from the data and help the business grow to what they want it to. That's fantastic. And so, so you pitched this idea to, to pair to, as we've discussed in an episode with Peter in our, in our second episode, is the, is the founder, one of the co-founders of, of Arex, uh, a Finnish uh, startup, and it is now based in Barcelona. How did that? How did that conversation go? Because I think that that's something that not all interns are able to do is to change roles or to pitch something different. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and they don't have the confidence to be that proactive. And I think it's remarkable to see how much ownership you took in and how you just uh, came up with this creative solution. Yeah, I I felt I really loved I really loved the the opportunity in that sense for me to explore this kind of a hidden treasure trove of data, especially in this kind of an industry of invoice factoring. And there were so many questions, like coming from a design thinking background, because I used to work at a design thinking company back in Amsterdam, I was taught to understand the question, not to look for solutions. And the good thing about working with data is you don't always want to look for solutions. You want to look for questions. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very intuitive way of understanding and looking into a problem. And when I was looking into different questions and trying to answer it with data, Pair2 and the others uh, at Eric's like Nikki and I also got a lot of help from the product manager, Martin. Uh, they also and Arto, who is the CEO also. And they also felt like what I was trying to do tied to what um, Eric's is trying to understand from a more strategic point of view. That's that's fantastic. Did you talk to? This is taking a little bit of a tangent, but but can you talk to us a little bit more of this design thinking, um, just to lay out the framework for us, just just quickly. And, and this is, I think, would make a great future podcast. Yeah, uh, we'd love to have you on and talk about that. But just give us briefly, just so people understand a little bit more of what you're what you're talking about. Yeah. So what design thinking essentially teaches you is to understand the root of the problem, the user need of the problem. Okay. Every time, like normally, we are taught to always. Think, uh, think about answers, but design thinking makes you only think about the problems. There, there are four steps in design thinking called like um, sensing, uh, 
visioning, uh, prototyping, and scaling. And you, what you normally do is you first look into, look into an objective, what you want to do, then diverge, and then you converge, okay? So diverge means you try to ex, um, extract more insights and user needs at every step, and then converge at every phase. And in this way, it's extremely agile, and you keep on improving the pro product and the process. And this is how you, kind, you need to innovate, and this is how you disrupt the different industries and segments. This is great, and it sounds like something that I personally want to do more, this design thinking approach. What was it like convincing the company to look at it that way, to see the world through those lenses? So I felt like the company kind, kind of embraced uh, this kind of a data-centric approach, and Arix is a data-driven company, and there is a lot of data uh, going on in the business. Uh, so they understood what I was trying to bring into the table. And since the company is mostly run by Finnish founders, there's a very strong Scandinavian uh, culture which prevails you to be more uh, experimental and yet being very grounded and humble. Wonderful. So a nice sandbox to, to test out new ideas. Exactly. Good. Just wrapping up this idea of the internship for now, uh, Agni, what advice would you give yourself uh, having gone through what I think is, you know, from the outside, a successful internship, you've, you, know, you went there, you added value, you've learned a lot from some really experienced people. Uh, and what advice would you give yourself, though, uh, if your, your prior self, your first semester MBA, Agni, about your internship process? So there are two advices that I would give myself. One would be to to be more hungry about how to bring change, how to how to how to bring more impact into the business. I know most of us are doing our summer internships and it's super small, like eight weeks to twelve weeks, and it's very hard to make an make an impact. But I would say, like, if you're kind of ambitious, for sure, why not? And the second advice would be to get some uh, nice. Uh, beach clothes because Eric is close to the beach and it's very hard to not be tempted to <laughs> take a dip in the ocean after the work. <laughs> Sounds like a really fun culture. For sure it is. So continuing on that, you know, and looking at you more as a well-rounded person, something that I heard and I would love to hear more about is your work on microfinancing on the side. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> So my ties to microfinance goes back to almost 10 years back. Um, and how it works is uh, my family has a nonprofit organization back in Kolkata and uh, we have a microcredit bank uh, based on the Grameen Bank model, model by Muhammad, uh, the Nobel laureate Mohammed Yunus. And we started this bank, I would say around 2004 or five, if I remember correctly. Um, and the purpose of this bank was to help the rural women around the city of Kolkata to get access to funds, to get access to loans so that they can start their own businesses, they can start different enterprises and help um, help them to I mean help themselves to be to establish on their feet. This is great. You've worked in on the B2B side over at RX and then also on the microfinancing side in India. So you, you have experience across the industry and across the world. 
-hmm. What trends do you see at a high level? At a high level, I personally feel like the payment sector of the fintech uh, world is getting disrupted every moment, every day. Uh, and not only I'm not only I'm talking in terms of cryptocurrency and P2P payments, but on a broader sense, new banks are coming in, into into existence and they're challenging the current um, traditional banks and different open banking licenses are coming up. Everyone's trying to get into the into the payment section payment section of the industry. Like for example, Facebook is trying to launch uh, a Libra coin. Why do you think Facebook wants to launch a Libra coin? And things like this, questions like this is super interesting to me. Good, good. Well, I look forward to seeing uh, what you do with it and how you answer those questions. Absolutely. I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for, for sharing uh, your story with us and, and for taking time. We'll have to bring you back again for talking more about design thinking in, in tech. And, and I think we can get a lot more out of these conversations. But before we go, we'd love to ask you uh, what recommendations you have for other people out there looking to learn more about the industry? What blogs, podcasts, books have you enjoyed and you recommend us to follow? Yeah, so firstly, guys, thank you so much for, for this amazing session. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Really loved the podcast. Um, so in terms of the books and blogs that I personally follow, is one is the books are... Brett, Brett King by Brett King breaking into banks and there's one more called end of banking um, and then in terms of the uh, I would say the podcast there there are two one is fintech insider by 11fs and the second one is Wharton fintech podcast and I, I also follow I tend to follow quite a lot of um, Twitter accounts of fintech professionals and uh, pages like fintech futures and daily fintech and i think it really helps me understand what's going on in the current world thank you so much for those recommendations and thank you for your time we look forward to future podcasts with you thank everyone for joining and listening stay tuned until next time cheers guys